Do you like feeling good? Well, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Positive Thinking, the podcast created to uplift and encourage you while giving practical tools to keep Christ at the center of your life. Like a painter dips his paintbrush in vibrant colors to color a painting, you can come here to be reminded that you are redeemed, filling your world with a kaleidoscope of biblical principles. Here to bless you, welcome your host, an author, retired naval officer, CEO, and Christ follower, Mrs. Colorful Day herself, Jasmine Baker. Hey there, you podcasters. I decided to pop on this morning. I'm going to tell you this week has been an awesome week, very busy, and I have been laboring in this word for you so that it could come out in a way that is going to meet you where you stand in need of. I labored over the last couple of days. I went back and forth with the topic and the Lord began to uh, put me on the potter's wheel yesterday and just to begin to reformulate what it is that he wanted to pour out of me on today. And I'm glad that I was patient and I waited because I'm gonna be honest, over the last couple of days, I have been trying to put it out and put it out And I'm going to tell you, when you say obstacles, I had so many obstacles um, coming against me. And I just finally said, okay, wait a minute, Lord, maybe this is not the enemy. Maybe this is just you trying to tell me to wait and I'm missing it. And I'm going to tell you, that's what it was because sure enough, he began to deliver it to me yesterday and it was packaged beautifully as the Holy Spirit always does for me. And I just tell you, I'm super excited to come on and release this word to you today. We're going to jump right into it. We're going to be coming out of the book of John. And if I had to title today's topic, I would title it a true flow of God, a true flow of God. How many of you could use a true flow of God in this season? I know that I could. I'm going to tell you, I know I want a true flow of God in my life and I want it afresh. I want it afresh. And the reason I say afresh is because sometimes people are trying to flow um, something old to me and I'm very aware my spirit doesn't want to take it when someone tries to feed me old manna meaning that they didn't labor in the word for it. They didn't seek God for it. They went and downloaded a sermon off the internet and uh, maneuvered it, you know, out and think that people don't understand that. But I'm going to tell you, my spirit is very, very sensitive and very aware when someone has labored in the word. When they've labored in the word, it comes out like an arrow hitting the target right in the center because God is delivering that thing in such a way. It's like a master surgeon. He he knows the problem and he can, He doesn't hurt any of the other parts around whatever it is he's trying to deliver or remove for uh, to bring you healing. And I'm telling you, when you labor in that word, it just really does that for you. And that's what I plan on doing today. Again, my title today is A True Flow of God. I'll be coming out of the book of John. I'm going to be all over the book of John. I'm going to start in at verses 13 through 16, and then I'm going to pop over still in John chapter nine, I'm going to go over to verses 34 on down to probably like maybe 40. So I'm going to be a little bit of everywhere just so you um, can get ready to uh, let me drive your car for a bit so you can get this word. Okay. I'm going to jump right in and read it. I'm going to start in at verses chapter nine, verse 13. I'll start there. Then they took the man to the Pharisees. Now, as it happened, Jesus had healed the man on the Sabbath. 
The Pharisees asked the man all about it. So he told them, he smoothed the mud over my eyes. And when it was washed away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep division of opinion among them. So there was a deep division of opinion among them. So there was a deep division of opinion among them. So when we say we want this new flow of God, this true flow of God and, and how to identify a true flow of God, I don't really know if we understand what we are truly asking for. Because when a true flow of God happens, there is so many complexities attached to it. Um, and this story of the blind beggar lays it out perfectly. A classic case of, I want a true move of God and the things that are attached to a true move of God. Because in a perfect world, we would want this true move of God to come and people are healed. The, you know, the blind can see, you know, people are, are walking. We want all these things. And then we just want to leave the picture like that. But how many of you know that that's really not um, a complete picture sometimes when a true move of God comes? And this template here in chapter nine lays it out beautifully. I'm going to tell you a bit of a backdrop. So what is happening here is you have this blind beggar. The conversation that is happening in chapter nine, verse 13, is the Pharisees talking to the blind beggar after he was healed by Jesus. So he's healed by Jesus in verses nine of chapter, I mean, in verses one of chapter nine through 12, that talks a little bit about the healing. And I'm going to give it to you really quick so we can move through the word. What happens is Jesus uh, gets this question from his disciples, which starts out in uh, the beginning of chapter nine. It says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Get that blind from birth. Teacher his disciples ask. So these are his apostles walking with him and they ask him this question. Why was this man born blind? They want to know because back then when you were born blind, it had a lot of uh, thought processes with um, if you were born blind and it was sin in your family, all these different things. You know how we haven't, we create man excuses for things we do not understand. And it was no different back then. So they say, teacher, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it a result of his own sins or those of his parents? Because that was the belief system that, you know, that this person is born blind, it's their parents, it's, you know, what did they do to deserve this? So they, they pretty much posed the question to, to um, the master teacher, which is Jesus Christ. And this is how he answers. It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. So he, he starts to clear it up. It has nothing to do with what you think it has something to do with. So he's basically saying, okay, this is what you, you think in the natural that it's, because of these reasons, but I'm getting ready to open your spiritual eyes and tell you what this is really about. It says, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. He was born blind so the power of God could be seen in him. All of us must quickly carry out the task assigned to us by the one who sent me because there's little time left before the night falls and all work comes to an end. But while I am still here in the world, I am the light to the world. So. He then spits on the ground, 
made mud with saliva and smoothed the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went and washed and came back seen. He came back seen. So the man listened to God, Jesus Christ, washed, like he said, and he came back seen. He came back with the ability to see. So when he did what he was told to do in the manner he was told to do it, he came back seen. We can say he came back delivered. It says, so then the man went and washed and came back seen. His neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar asked each other, is this the same man, the beggar? Some say he was and others said no, but he surely looks the same. So they're basically contemplating because what happens is when a true flow of God comes, it breaks the patterns of your natural logical thinking because this is a supernatural thing happening. So in order for you to catch wind of it, you have to see in your spiritual eyes. They, they're not seeing in their spiritual eyes. They're looking at a spiritual situation, analyzing it with natural uh, thought processes. So these people are basically trying to make an excuse to not accept the supernatural that's happened. So they're saying, no, this can't be the same man. This is a different man because he was blind. They don't want to accept that he's healed on today. They don't want to accept that. They want it to, uh, if they had to accept it, I would venture to say if they, if they had to accept it, they needed to be able to logically link it to something. How many of you know when the supernatural happens, it's not logically linked to man's wisdom. It's linked to God's wisdom, which is beyond us. Hello, it's beyond us. So I'm down at um, verse 10 and they said, who healed him? What happened? Because they're still trying to figure out, is this the same man? They're arguing about whether or not it's the same man. Some believe it is. Some believe that he's not. And it, remember, I said a true move of God is not something that is just going to be all pretty. It actually causes people to question their thought processes, which could potentially cause division between your legalistic thinking and what has happened naturally. Let's keep reading. They asked, who healed him? What happened? He told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and smoothed it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash off the mud. I went, I washed, and now I can see. So this is the blind beggar. He, he's trying to tell them, why are you trying to make this more like deeper than what it is? He put the mud on my eyes. He washed it. He told me to go get in the water and now I can see. It was just as simple, simple as that for this man. And then they just can't accept it. So they say, well, where is he now? Meaning Jesus. Because look, these are this is man. We have to know why it happened that way. We have to know that. That sounds like us. We have to know why because we like to put God in a box. See, in a box, we can control when the box is open, when the box is closed, who's going to get the box, who can have access to it. And, and a true flow of God isn't limited by man's thoughts, by man's wants, by man's uh, ability to control it. It's limitless. It's moving in such a way that it has a freedom. It says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. How many of you know that if there's liberty, I don't know any 
stories that I can reference in my mind that liberty is something that you can cage. Liberty is a freedom to operate. It's a movement that you have. The spirit of the Lord is there is liberty. There's a freedom to flow. See here, they don't want that freedom to flow. They're, they're too glued to the natural. They need to control this so that they can be able to say who can be healed. And surely, why is the blind beggar getting healed? This is probably the thought process. This is, if I had to venture to say, they are probably thinking like, well, why did he get healed? So let's keep reading. Let's see what happens. They say, I'm down in nine, verse 12. Where is he now? So they're saying, where is Jesus? I need to find this Jesus, this man who just came and disrupted my whole entire day with his healing fiascos. This is probably what they're thinking. I'm down at verse 13. Then they took the man to the Pharisees. Now, as it happened, Jesus had healed the man on the Sabbath. Now get this taking them to the Pharisees because the Pharisees are the enforcer of the law. They're like the police of the law. We know the law. We study the law. We enforce the law and we say who can do what. See, this is man again trying to control it, trying to put an agenda in place where they can control who gets what. See, that this is the challenge that we are always going to face when it comes to a personal internal battle, being inside of a church, being in any types of organizations that you're attached to, we have to be mindful, especially the church. If we say we want a move of God, that you understand exactly what you asking for. Because oftentimes we ask for a move of God, especially in the house of God. We want a move of God. We want a revival. I hear it all the time. And But then when the Holy Spirit is there and he's trying to press them in a different direction, they will quickly shut it down. I'm not saying every, every church. I'm saying some churches. I'm saying some uh, church meetings. I'm saying just some times this happens. They shut it down, shut the move of God down because one, they're, they, they're blind to it. They think the move of God can only operate through them. Remember I said these, these Pharisees are, are approaching this, this blind beggar, instead of being happy for the blind beggar being healed. Think about this. This man's been blind all his life, blind all his life. This is a moment to be rejoicing with him, rejoicing that he can see. They're not rejoicing that he can see. They don't first, they don't want to believe that it's even him. They don't even want to believe his story because he has to tell the story multiple times through chapter nine, multiple times he's retelling his story because they don't want to hear it. And I believe that no matter how many times he told the story, he could have told the story till he was blue in the face. But I'm going to tell you this. How many of you know when someone's spiritually blind, you can't make them see. You can't make them see. They have to want to, they have to want to see. You say, well, why would you say something like that? You know, you should be speaking love in this. I am speaking love. I'm speaking love. I'm telling you the truth. The truth is love and the truth comes to set you free. Some people are spiritually blind and they don't want to see. The reason I can make that statement and make my call in election sure on today when I say it is because Jesus makes the announcement at the festival. At the festival, he makes the announcement in John 7. He stands up in front of the festival. The festival is at its climax. That means the festival is at its high point. Okay, come on now. People that's been to the club, it's when the club is really jumping off. It's when the party is really happening. He waits till it is at its climax, and then he makes the announcement. Newsflash, is there anyone in here that needs a, a need, that has a need that needs to be met? Are you thirsty? Is there anyone in here thirsty? He lets you make the decision on whether or not you want to come out of your spiritual blindness. You have to make the assessment and realize and recognize 
through humility that I'm blind. These Pharisees aren't recognizing that they're blind. We're going to continue to read the story, but they don't recognize that they're blind. They're not even recognizing that they are thirsty. They already think that they are filled. No different than the woman at the well who shows up at the well. That day she shows up, bumps into the promise of God. She does not know that she's thirsty. She's searching, but she's not. When I say she's not aware, she's doing the symptoms of being thirsty. Okay, you said, what do you mean, prophet? I'm glad you asked. I'm so glad you asked on today. I'm going to explain it to you. Sometimes when um, we'll take something natural so you understand sometimes when you thirsty in the natural and you want water, it shows itself in symptoms. Whenever we're on a weight loss plan, the first thing they tell you is that you're not hungry all the time. Sometimes you're just thirsty. And if you get in the habit of drinking enough water, you will begin to recognize that you're not really hungry, that you're thirsty. And then you have to begin to walk through the phases of it. And it shows up like this. You are really thirsty, but now you go and drink a soda. Your body is saying, I need water, but you go fill it with soda. And then you temporarily satisfy for a little bit, but you're still thirsty. And you're going to have outward symptoms of still being thirsty. So you might, if you're in an environment where it's excessively hot, you might start sweating profusely. And, and, you, and now you're feeling um, dry mouth. And you're like, well, I just had a soda. Why is my mouth dry? It's dry because you are thirsty. You tried to fill that with something else. But the symptom is showing you that you're still thirsty. The woman at the well. Okay, backtrack. Let's lay that template over the woman at the well. The woman at the well is sleeping with multiple men because she's thirsty. She's getting a quick feel sexually through these different men who may be fulfilling her sexually, emotionally. I don't know. The story doesn't tell us, but we can uh, allude to say and to venture in our minds and say, if I'm sleeping with multiple people, I'm not satisfied and I'm looking for something. I'm looking for something. If I'm on number six, hello, I'm looking for something. So she's on number six and the Lord is like, let's just stop this behavior. Let's just stop going in a circle and wandering aimlessly. And you keep wandering aimlessly into other people's beds with other people's husbands. That's not your husband. Hello. That's a clear sign that you have a symptom of something that's much deeper. Let's go back to these Pharisees. And she recognizes after she has a conversation that, okay, I'm going to drink this water. And she, she finds herself fulfilled and she becomes what? A testimony of what just happened to tell everybody that guess what you don't have to walk around like I was you don't have to walk around thirsty this is what the blind beggar did he gets healed and he's now happy he's now talking about it they're ridiculing him for being healed they're trying to question his healing now he's in front of the Pharisees who are they're like the we can call them the big boss in charge they you know they 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 tell everybody what to do when to do it and they they basically the police and they tell you you breaking the law so they're basically saying now Jesus had healed the man on the Sabbath the Pharisees asked the man all about it so he told them he smoothed the mud over my eyes I'm down at verse 13 chapter 9 verse 13 this is the man explaining to the Pharisees again because they want to know. They then brought him in front of them. I'm sure they got their whole panel of uh, people in charge. They got the president, the vice president, the assistant to the vice president, the assistant to the assistant vice president, and the assistant to the assistant assistant vice president. They got everybody on the panel, okay? Because everybody wants to be in charge of something. We do it today. We have uh, the missionary team, and then the missionary team has an assistant to the missionary team. And to the assistant missionary teams, they have another assistant. And to that assistant, there's another assistant. And we send up another team. And we're doing all these multiple things and the Holy Spirit ain't flowing nowhere. We're just standing up a bunch of stuff, making it seem like we're doing a bunch of stuff 
and that we on fire and he's not flowing anywhere. Let's see what happens with them. So the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus is not from God for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could he, how could he, an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there was a deep divide. So basically the Pharisees are saying, okay, he's breaking the law. So there's no way this can be, um, uh, this could, this just couldn't be right because he's breaking the law. He, you know, he didn't come to us to get control. He didn't let us know he was working miracles. Okay. You say, well, what do you mean prophet? What are you talking about? It's no different than we roll up in the church. You get the same thing. Well, the, I, I'm the only one who can um, stand at the door and greet because I'm the, I'm the only one who can do that. Uh, you know, I have to do it. I have to control everything. We get the little controllers. We get that around in our life where people are trying to control everything and they don't understand when they are doing that, they're trying to control a move of God and you're study asking God for something. He's trying to release it to you and you don't understand that when he releases it to you, it's not going to come in the pattern for your approval. When he re you're getting a limitless supernatural flow from a limitless God. So it's going to be past your knowledge. You just have to know how to flow in it. Okay, let's keep going. So we now are at the part of the story where the blind beggar is healed. He has had his uh, appointment with Jesus. Jesus has made him healed. He's trying to explain to the Pharisees what happened. They don't believe him. His friends don't believe him. And the Pharisees get so mad. They have him re-explain the story several times. And then they go as far in verse 20. And I'm not going to go all deep into verse 20. Um, chapter nine, verse 20, they're telling him that there's no way this could have happened because you was born blind. Like they go through their whole legalistic. I can see them pulling out a book and saying, according to people being blind, this cannot happen because if you're blind, A, B, C, D, E, F, G has to happen before you can receive that. And this is blah, blah, blah. They have their own reason. And you know why? It's because we need to be able to explain everything. See, that's this is the thing about a move of God. When we have a true move of God, he moves past everybody's intellect. Nobody can control it. It's just required for us to be submitted to one another in love, first submitted to him that way. Because when we submit to authority, then we can submit to each other as brothers and sisters. Then you can see a flow. What happens is when we want to control things, it don't look like what we used to. So we automatically discount it. We automatically discredit it because it wasn't cut from my cloth. It, it did. You know, I didn't raise them up. So there, there's no way they could flow like that. That flow can only come out of here. God don't work that way. There's people uh, you come in contact with every day. It's called the universal church. Hello, I said it just like that. It's called the universal church. The universal church means that we all have our callings. I can show up at the library and, I'm, and come into contact with another uh, believer and we can flow. If we believe in God, we can flow. That's the awesomeness of the universal church. That's the awesomeness of God. To shut that down, you, you've missed the whole picture here to say it could only flow from you. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. They're making this, this uh, premise that, wait a minute, and according to the books that we wrote in this and that, you can't have that healing. And, and the crazy part about the whole thing, they're telling him what should have happened or what could have happened. He's still standing here healed and they can't explain why he healed. They can't explain it. 
I would have stopped at that point and it just accepted that what just happened was beyond me. But they're still trying to cage this thought process in chapter nine, verse 20. And then they go as far when they don't understand it after they ask him. And he tells them several times that Jesus Christ is the person who healed him. And he tells them the story and he's worshiping them because come on now, he just got his healing. If you just got a healing from something you've been pre like pleading with God about, asking God for it, give me this, you know, I really need this. And you just really long to have this fixed in your life. And then he shows up to do it. You're going to have a boost of faith. You're going to feel good about yourself. You're going to be on fire telling everybody about what God just did for you. You're not going to be in a place where you are discrediting what just happened. You can see you was just blind 10 minutes ago. You didn't see nothing. It was black in your world. Now you open your eyes and there's trees and there's water and there's all these different things. You're not getting ready to discredit what you know to be true. And just because I can't explain it, it still don't mean that it didn't happen. And that's where we fall short. When we can't explain it, then we don't want to accept it. Well, I can't explain. Now, it's different if what someone's doing doesn't line up with the word of God. But if it lines up, come on now, I think you have to begin to check your own spirit and take the stop, stop trying to take the speck out of your brother's eye. When you have a log in your eye, you are missing the big picture here. And, and sure enough, the Pharisees do it. They miss the big picture. If you go to chapter nine and go down to verse 34, I told you today, I'm going to be all through chapter nine and I'm painting this picture for you so that you can understand what a true move of God looks like. A true move of God is not always a pretty picture. A true move of God brings division. Point number one, it brings division. No, God is not about dividing because a divided house can't stand. The Lord understands that. He's trying to tell you when I show up on the scene, people that don't understand me that are spiritually blind are going to be going in a different direction with this thing. They're going to have a different thought process and you need to be ready to stand up against that. That's called division. One person think that, okay, this person uh, got healed. And you saw it right here in the scripture. Some people was like, okay, he got healed. We believe him. Then you got the other side of the coin. Who, no, this, this couldn't be, this just couldn't be happening, you know, because we didn't know it was happening and, and they didn't run the, uh, the request through us. So there's no way that person can just be doing that. And the Lord is saying, no, they can't because they operated in me. And when I'm for them, it doesn't matter if the whole world's against them. If I open the door, I open the door that no man can shut. Matter of fact, I can take the hinges off the door and tell anybody that I want to go through the door to go through the door because I am God and I can only speak. Hello, I can go deeper than that. I, I'm only telling you and allowing them to do what the father gave them access to do. Come on now. We have to get this on today. God is moving and he's moving in a different way. He's breaking patterns on purpose because he's he doesn't want to be caged in anymore to our intellect, to our rationales that we have, our concepts, methodologies and all these schemas that we have in our mind. No, he's saying I'm a limitless God. And I and if you want me, this is how I'm going to operate. And if you don't want to do that, then keep shutting me down. You'll keep having people constantly returning to the altar because they can't keep a deliverance, can't get delivered. You'll be operating only through you thinking you have to say and do everything, running yourself tirelessly and aimlessly. Then you wonder why you sick. You wonder why you tired. You wondering all these things because you're not really flowing in God. You flowing in you. I said it. I did it just like that. I said it just like that. You flowing in you. You are doing you. You trying to bring glory to you. And you're missing the big picture that when there's a true flow of God 
all the body parts are moving. All the body parts are healthy. All the body parts are aware of what they need to do. And, and you get so much to a place of maturity in the flow, you know when to step back and, and tell this thumb, you need to be like, it's okay, you can be a thumb and, re and reaffirm others under you to say, hey, it's all right, you're a thumb. I know you never operated as much as you 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 need to be operating and you don't recognize how strong a, you are as a thumb, but I'm here to tell you, I'm placing you here because we need a thumb and you are the person for the occasion that we need right now. That's a flow of God. They understand that I'm not a thumb, I'm an eye. But you're a thumb, so you need to be here doing this. They're not going to try to say, I'm an eye, and I'm going to go over here and emulate a thumb. I'm going to go over here and act like I'm a thumb. And, and just because the people accepted you acting like a thumb previously, and God gave you grace to do it. Okay, I'm going to hand right here. Let's anchor right here for a minute. Take a deep breath. Get you some water. Get you some tea. Get you something to clear your throat, because I'm getting ready to say it. And this is going to step on some people's toes. Just say, ouch, and amen. Yes, just because God graced you in a previous season to operate in a particular manner, he will grace us. It says we're sin abound, grace abounds more. So God will grace people to do certain things because the person that's supposed to do it ain't got here yet. And he's working things out. How many of you know if a person shows up and he's sent from God, God pushed, put things in place to receive him and put and got that person to a place to receive the place that they're going to. This this is how it works. He he gets all he he's the he's the puppet master. He's moving everything around so it falls in place properly. Because he's the author and the finisher of our faith. So as he's moving these things around, you might have gotten used to running the praise team. Don't mean that you was anointed for it. You may have gotten used to that and everybody likes you and everybody knows you. And that's great. I'm telling you, kumbaya, I'm giving you a box of Wheaties right now. I'm patting you on your back. Great job. I gave you your hero cookie. But when God says, this is the person for the hour, this is the praise team leader that I'm sending to you. It is crucial for you to understand that's a flow of God. And he's saying, I'm answering the prayers. I know you got used to operating like that. But that's not at 100%. I graced you to operate there. And little do you know, you was only operating at 60% anyways. Because you wasn't anointed for it. Now, this person's anointed for it. They're going to walk into it. And it's going to lift the load off of you. This isn't the time for you to get into yourself and get into your flesh. And not understand the move of God. And you are now causing a stifling in the move of God because you don't want to get on board with the flow of God. You're trying to change the flow and tell everybody to get on board with your flow. Well, I'm here to tell you newsflash. The Lord in October is running in a way that his stream is limitless. He is flowing to whom he desires to flow. He's no respecter person. He can do business the way he wants to do it. We need to sit back and watch the mighty move of God. You say, well, prophet, why do you say that? I say that because a true move of God, remember I said point number one is going to bring a, a division, a division, meaning that uh, you are, people are, con there is a controversy. But when I say division, because I want to make sure that's clear, because some people will roll, they'll take a piece and run with it. No, I'm not saying that the word of God says he brings division. A divided house can't stand. But the word of God, he wants us to be unified. He wants us to operate as one body. I'm saying when the flow of God comes, you still have people who don't believe it. So what is that? That's division. 
Now, our job is to pray that they would come into their spiritual eyes being open so that they can get unified. That's what that means. So that they can come in and understand what we're trying to do or what God is trying to do through us in this season. But oftentimes it don't, it don't do that. We'll, we'll hinge on, on something that, that we can control. Now, this is what happens when you try to control something. It inadvertently hurts your sheep. It inadvertently hurts your brother. It inadvertently hurts the people around you. It inadvertently hurts your boss on your job. It inadvertently hurts your coworkers, your colleagues, your friends, your brothers. Anything attached to you, you can inadvertently hurt it because you're stifling the move of God. And you, you're like, no, I'm just doing me because, you know, I'm the leader of the group and blah, blah, blah. No, you are hurting people. Let me show you how you can hurt people. So the Pharisees, they are, um, they're at the, uh, they are assigned to uh, enforce the law. They're the, they're the police. They're doing their thing. We're not knocking at all authorities given by who? By God. But we must understand a flow of God. And this is what they inadvertently do. When you go to chapter um, nine, I'm at verse 34. This is what they did to the blind beggar after he wouldn't change his uh, verdict on what he was saying about God healing him. They says, you were born in sin. So they, go, they come to condemn him. So you need to be weary because this is these are your te- what I call telltale signs, telltale signs of people who who aren't completely converted in they thinking people who are spiritually blind. I said it. Yeah, there's some people that's operating like they so heavily anointed and they are spiritually blind. I would do the world and the people of God a disservice to act like I did not recognize it. It's out there. And our job is to pray for it. So this is what verse 34 confirms what I said. These are the Pharisees telling him, you were born in sin. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. So they're basically saying, no. We, yeah, we hear what you're saying that you heal, but you was born in sin. And you cannot teach us because we, we are over you. How, okay, come on. How many of us know that? You're trying to help somebody. And, oh, I'm, you know, I'm older than you. I'm older than you. So, um. Okay, so because you older than me, that make you better than me? And vice versa. You younger than me, that make you better than me? Come on, last time I checked, there wasn't no junior Holy Spirits. When I look in the Word, I don't see nowhere where it says you got a junior Holy Spirit. Hello, I said it just like that. And I know some people sitting there like, they probably spit their water out. Yeah, there's no junior Holy Spirit. He's operating the way he want to operate through any and everybody. I.e. meaning that, yeah, your kids can speak a word of life to you. Your kids can say, you know what? Why are you cussing? You know what? Why are you drinking alcohol? And you can't shush them away and acting like uh, they don't know what they're talking about. No, because there's no junior Holy Spirit. The Lord is operating freely and he's getting ready to really pour out his anointing. And our kids are going to be able to speak a word in our life. Our kids are going to be able to tell us, you know what? You're going the wrong way. You're going through the wide door when the Lord told you to go through the narrow door. And it is crucial for you not to get in yourself, get in your pride and receive the word of God so that you can continue to flow in it. If you don't, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to show you right here in the verses. Go down to verse 34. Jesus understands what just happened to the blind man. He's very well aware because he knows that when a true move of God comes, you're going to have all these uh, legalities that people come up with, technicalities and try to stumble the move of God. 
He says, when Jesus heard what had happened, so he heard that they kicked the blind beggar out of the synagogue. Instead of saying, this is an awesome move of God, praise Jesus, where's, you know, thank God, they kick him out of the synagogue. Jesus hears about it. It says, when Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and said, do you believe in the son of man? So he goes to reaffirm him because the people that the Pharisees have come and cut him down. Now think about this. He'd been blind all this time. He's coming into the marvelous light. And here you go trying to put a smoke screen over him. And the Lord was like, no, not so. Let me go over here and find this man because I know I just, I just healed him. I just brought him out. He's a brand new sheep and I don't need nobody to be stifling the move of God in his life. It says, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Then the man answered, who, who is he, sir? Because I would like to. So this man is trying to fight for his contend. Basically, you hear me say contend for the faith. He's contending for his faith. People of God, he just got healed. His faith is through the roof. He's contending and fighting for it. And then he got these people with these heavy spirits of thinking they know Jezebel spirits, spirits of control, trying to tell him that, no, that's not what just happened. So he's now almost, almost borderline confused. And he says, who is he, sir? He's telling Jesus, well, who is he, sir? Because I want to drink from this well because he's fighting in his spirit saying, I can see, I can actually see. And the only reason I can see it was supernatural. I need to drink from this. Like he, he's trying to stay focused. And this is what uh, verse 37 says. It says, see, you have seen him. I love this. This is Jesus telling him, you have seen him. Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. So he's basically speaking to the man's spirit because it says, how would they, um, how would they, uh, they would come by the foolishness of preaching. But he also says, uh, sheeps know my voice. See, sheeps know my voice. So he's starting to speak to him. He's trying to get his spirit centered and, and pluck out what the Pharisees just did by trying to cut him down. He says, you have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. And this is what the man says. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, the man says. So he's basically saying, I believe you, but they don't believe you, but I believe you. And the Lord centers him back. Don't worry about them. That's basically what he's saying. Don't worry about them. You just keep flowing in me. I got something special for you. You just keep flowing in me. He says, yes, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped Jesus. See, in the middle of that whole situation, that trying time, Jesus came to reaffirm him, brought him right into his presence and said, do you believe me? He's basically saying, because that's all that matters. I'm here to tell you on today, do you believe the flow of God? That's what matters. I don't care what your cousin said, your mama said, what your self-help book said, what your friend said, what religion at the church said. I'm saying, do you believe what God told you? If you believe, it says you have seen him and he is speaking to you. Then Jesus addresses the issue. And this is what I love about God. He will address the issue. Don't fight your battles in this season. I refuse to do not fight your battles. It says vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And it's not that stuff about karma that we don't believe in karma as children of God. Jesus will vindicate us by our history. That's why you need to walk upright. Your history will vindicate you. This is what Jesus says is in verse 39. He says, then Jesus told him, I have come to judge the world. I have come to give sight to the blind, to show those who think they see that they are blind, 
I'm going to read that again. So he's basically telling the man when the man worshiped him. Thank you. That's basically he's saying, thank you. I appreciate that. And because you worship me, let me give you a little bit of insight on what's really happening here spiritually. I have come to judge the world. I have come to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. And this is how I know you can be blind. You can be blind and operating blind and think you see. Jesus said it. I didn't say it, so don't get mad at me. I'm just the messenger of what the word of God said. Be mad at the word. Get your Bible. Be mad at your Bible. Your Bible says, I have come to judge the world. It's in red, meaning Jesus is making this statement. I have come to give sight to the blind and to show those who think they see that they are blind. I caused the division. I caused the stumbling block because they was never for you. So go to verse 40 and I'm closing. The Pharisees who were standing there heard him and asked, are you saying that we are blind? Come on now, look, this ain't, this is so much the truth, it's a shame. So they sit here listening. I call them spectators. They sitting, plotting your demise, watching you, not trying to help you, not trying to help your ministry. They are plotting your demise. As long as you're on their team, pushing them up, they, they, they're great. But the minute they get you need the support so that the move of God can be over your life, here they go on some old me stuff. And this is the Pharisees. But the Lord is saying, I'm still going to move regardless. Just because they thought they caused you a stumbling block. I'm going to show you that I'm still going to move. I'm still going to move that they can't stop me. And I'm actually going to show them in the midst of all of this, it's going to be twofold. They're going to realize that they're blind. So the Pharisees are watching this move of God and listening to what God is saying to the man and then what Jesus Christ is saying to the man. And then if you go down to verse 44, I laugh because it says after the Pharisees in verse 40 say, the Pharisees who were standing there heard him and asked, are you saying we are blind? So they, 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 they basically mad at Jesus. Are you saying we're blind? And this is what Jesus says. If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. I'm going to say that again. If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty. Jesus replied, but you remain guilty because you claim you can see. See, in this season, I, I just laugh and I'm super excited about this move of God. Remember, I said when a true move of God comes, point number one is it causes a difference in opinion. The difference in opinion arises here in chapter nine under verse 16, where it says, but how could an ordinary man who's a sinner do miraculous signs? So they were deeply divided in their opinion. So it comes to divide. Two, signs and wonders follow the true flow of God. And, and we see that Jesus Christ does this wonder on this man. This man is now blessed supernaturally because the signs and the wonders are following Jesus. As Jesus goes to do his father's business, the son, this is how I love to think of signs and wonders. The signs and wonders are walking behind him. They're following him. They're following him because God is all powerful, all knowing and everything aligns to him. So as he's walking to go do his father's business, the signs and the wonders follow him. They want to be a part of what they want to be on his team. This is where we at in this season. I see it so clearly people walking and the signs and the wonders are following you. They're just waiting for you to say, hey, 
do this, do that. They, they're, they're waiting. They, 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 their job is to follow you and to do the bidding of the father. And it comes out in the way as a finding of healing, as a result of healing, as a result of the supernatural, as a result of telling somebody to get up, they can walk. He, it comes out in all these ways of uh, speaking life to a dead situation, telling Lazarus to come out of the cave. It comes out in the uh, prophet standing on the mountain speaking to dry bones, dead visions, and he's bringing them back to life. This is what a true move of God really does. It's signs and wonders follow the flow. And one, the call it causes a division in opinion among the people. The signs and wonders are not enough, though. This is what I love. Because if the signs and wonders were enough, when when he healed this blind beggar, it would have been a done deal. But it's not enough. And I know that I'm right and I'm not making it up. Because if you go over to Jeremiah 17 and 9, it says the human heart is deceitful. Who can know the heart? So the signs and wonders aren't enough. You could be flowing a, a type of wonder out, but it's coming from a negative heart. It's coming from something else. He's saying the signs and wonders aren't enough. See, We don't want uh, that that type of uh, superficial type of thought process. And I know that it's, it can be superficial and human can be superficial. Humanity can be superficial. The reason we can be superficial, we saw it. One minute they were saying Hosanna to Jesus riding through the city on a donkey. And then the next week they were saying crucify him. This is how I know the heart can be deceitfully wicked. This is how I know that we can be superficial and the signs and wonders aren't enough. Because if the signs and wonders were enough, Jesus wouldn't have had to come over there and reaffirm them, reaffirm this blind beggar after the people had cut him down. If the signs and wonders were enough, they would have just automatically believed after the man said he was healed. But they didn't. They went. They were skeptical. They had to pull out their book and say why this can't be so signs and wonders aren't enough we need the true flow of god that complete flow of god he told the jesus told the disciples like this in luke 24 and 49 he said wait until the holy spirit comes it will give you power from heaven the power from heaven is this flow this thing that happens that brings glory to the father not glory to you but glory to god so i challenge you on today to get in the flow and when you get in the flow to stay in the flow get saturated in this water as it continues to wash your heart afresh and let you wake up anew and continue to walk in the true move of god so get in the flow which was podcast 43 get in the flow this is podcast 44 that's saying now you're in the flow now i need to let you recognize what you can expect when a true flow happens when a true move of god happens this is what you can expect so now you can throw away your little paradigm you can throw away your little old premise you can throw away that myth they told you that it was going to be a perfect world and everybody was going to believe you when you went in front of the church and you healed guess what actually they're not going to believe you some people will some people won't they it says these pharisees were deeply not little but deeply divided in their opinion on whether or not Jesus was the Christ. But he went to the man he healed and said, can you see? Yeah, I can see. Do you believe? Matter of fact, let me, let me, let me back that up. He didn't even say the words, do you see? Because then that would prove that the signs and wonders were enough. He asked him, do you believe? Because he don't, I, he shouldn't have to do a sign and wonder for you to believe. You should believe because he's God, he's sovereign and he loves you. And I'm closing and I'm on fire today. Oh, gracious heavenly father, 
I thank you on today. It's like fire shut up in my bones, God, that this word would meet your people on today, that they would understand in this new flow in the month of October to the end of the year, you are moving in the spirit. It's them that need to open their spiritual eyes and step into the flow, get into the flow, saturate themselves in the flow, let the flow wash off all the issues of life. And then when they get in the flow, they have to recognize that when the spirit of God begins to follow them and the spirit of God begins to move, that it's not going to be a pretty situation. Situation. It's like an operating room. You're going to have people that believe and you're going to have people that's in disbelief. But it is God who will bring clarity to the people that they must just continue to flow in you in this season so that you might be glorified. I love you guys. I'll be coming back on on podcast 45 to bless you with the ending of this season, uh, this series called the flow seat, the flow series. Um, I pray that it's blessing you. If this is your first time jumping on right now and you are in podcast 44, please go back to podcast 43. Listen to the first portion of the series, which talks about getting in the flow and gives us the revelation of the flow. And then this podcast, which is podcast 44, is just telling you how to recognize the flow, how to recognize the true move of God and the expectations that come inside of that move, what you can expect. Because how many of you know that the Lord is not going to have you clueless about a situation? He said he first reveals it to the prophets. Come on now. He first reveals it to the prophet so that you might get a word and so that and it, and it might meet you in this season right here. He's saying you're you're now that you're in the flow. You need to recognize that 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 stuff that's coming against you. That's normal. Just keep flowing. Just keep reaffirming the people that's receiving their healing and receiving their anointing that they are drinking from the right well. Keep reaffirming them. No different than how he reaffirmed the blind beggar. He said, who do you say that I am? Basically. You're, he's like, no, I believe that you're Lord. All right, then walk in it. That's where we're at in this hour and in this season. And I'm closing. I love you guys. And until the next podcast, you be blessed, be blessed, and know that you are highly favored.